Welcome back to the Forward Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Armstrong. My guest this week is Brian Fogel, somebody that a lot of you have been asking for a lot of the time. His new film, Icarus, nominated for an Academy Award just last week, made the final five. I met Brian Fogel three years ago when he came to me with his idea. And his idea at the time was that he had done a bike, and I'm saying it like this because this is really, I'm literally sitting here at this, looking at this dude, like checking my phone, like he's crazy. He's did a bike race in Europe last year, and he wants to go back and do it again, but he's, yet he's going to dope, and he's going to see if he can do better, and he's going to prove that he can evade the testing. And I'm sitting there going, dude, you, you are, you're fucking crazy. And then I said to him, I said, well, how are you, who's helping you with this? Who, who's you know, who's making sure that your urine's clean and testing it for you, et cetera, et cetera. Because you're not really, you're never supposed to be able to do that. I've never heard of anybody able to do that. And he says, oh, I got this Russian guy. You know, he, I, call, I sent it to Moscow and then he tested and then he, and at this point in the conversation, I'm like, okay, I thought you were crazy. And now I know that you're crazy. And so, I, I mean, I literally couldn't get out there quick enough. Well, you know what? He might be crazy, but that shit got real. And I mean, if you haven't seen the film, you have to see it. It is amazing. And, you know, sitting here where we sit today in 2018, if you just read about current politics and our country in Russia, you don't care anything about cycling. You don't care anything about the Olympics. You don't care anything about drug testing. You're still going to love this film because it's all there. Uh, congratulations to Brian and his crew. Uh, for the first time in the forwards history, this conversation went so long, we're breaking this up into two parts. So today... You will get part one, and tomorrow you'll get part two. Before we get to, to part one with Brian Fogle, my Survivor of the Week this week is a group of ladies. To all the girls and young women that are part of the USA Gymnastics team that had to endure what seemed like decades of abuse by their team doctor, uh, we all, or a lot of us, watched the way they stood up in the courtroom and addressed him, and addressed the room, and addressed the judge, and bravely told their stories uh, that certainly cannot be easy to tell. You're all heroes. I have three daughters that I can't ever imagine uh, sitting in that room in that place. But the bravery that it took for you all to stand up uh, in the face of uh, of this creep, um, and and to and to tell your story is just you know words can't describe. Uh, how tough that is and how amazing uh, y'all's courage is. So uh, you're the survivors of the week and um, good luck to you all. Here we go with Brian Fogel, part one, director of Icarus. Well, Brian, it's been an interesting journey. We first met well, we met through Tim Comerford, That's our, right. our mutual friend who's been on this podcast. And Timmy C. called and said, dude, my buddy's making a documentary. You're not going to believe it. And it's going to be so good for you. And he, he, he's going he's gonna to do this bike race in Europe. And he's, he's going to dope for it. And he did it last year. And he's going to see how he can do better. And he's going to evade the tests. And he wants to meet with you. So we met April, in, April 2015 in Los Angeles. Yeah. Was it April? Yeah, 2015. We went back and looked. Yeah, we were wow. we were because we were curious because time just it's crazy how time flies right but i'll just never forget like you laying this thing out there and i said to you i said who's 
who's helping do that? Like, how do you know? He said, I have this Russian guy. And at that, when you first started to tell me the idea, I was like, this guy's fucking crazy. (laughs) And then when you said you had a Russian guy, then I was like, okay, I'm out. This is not true. This can't be happening. And it's so fucking crazy that it actually happened. Yeah, and then I showed you uh, that 25-minute piece that we had put together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's it's I don't know I don't know whether you're brilliant or or lucky or all of the above. Um, I mean to come across this story, right? I mean who to, who to, who to thunk it? I certainly didn't think yeah. it when I yeah. when I when I started on it. But you know, I knew that going in that Gregory certainly had secrets. Hmm. And even in that piece that I had shown you back in April of 2015, there was all those like hints in there and I wasn't sure where it was going to go to. I couldn't have imagined, you know, ultimately what the information he had, mm-hmm. but it was clear that, uh, that he was involved in, um, a much. Right. And, and you do a good job of, of going into it in, in Icarus talking about, I mean, look for, for, and I guess I can speak to this from experience. If you had access to a WADA accredited lab, I guess anybody could probably go get their urine tested somewhere. But it's a little different than going to a water lab. So if you had access to that and you could try things and test it out and try things and test, like that's that's the holy grail, right? And so I just couldn't believe that that was actually possible. And 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 in watching Icarus, which it took me a while to come around and, and, and see this film for a whole lot of other reasons, uh don catlin's role in the thing like don catlin who i've known forever everybody in this movement you know is sort of an iconic figure you know the way don connected you with gregory was it was surreal is and i don't think you know what was interesting is you know don basically originally was going to help me right and then his son got involved and and (laughs) oliver was like this is not a good idea dad um (laughs) I agree with Oliver. <laughs> you know, and like, uh, uh, I don't think it's a good idea. And so, you know, he ultimately decides that he's not going to help me. But one of the biggest variables for Don was also that he was no longer at the UCLA lab. So he's going, well, I don't have access to a water lab. How am I going to get your samples into a water lab? And, and he refers me to Gregory. But, I mean, he certainly referred me to Gregory knowing... Um, I think a lot more than he let on. Mm-hmm. I mean, he certainly didn't know the extent of what was going on. He didn't know the urine swapping, but he knew that that Gregory and that Russian lab um, was not on the up and up. Right. And what you know, probably everybody that watch it, watches Icarus has to ask the question because you guys are talking on the phone, skyping from L.A. to Moscow. Why does this guy, Gregory, the, the scientist, the doctor, why does he trust you? Like, just from a, I don't really trust anybody at this point in my life, but I'm like, why is he believing you? Like, you could be anybody. You could be out to get him. You could be out to, to blackmail him. You could, like, did you, I mean, you're a charming guy, but Jesus, nobody's that charming, right? No, I mean, look, it, it was it was surreal in that regard. Right. There's, there's, uh, there's a story that's not in the film, and a lot of it really had to do with just the creative storytelling. And I had started corresponding with Gregory literally 
uh, as Sochi was going on. And we're emailing back and forth, and I'm, and he's up late at night. Yeah, <laughs> he's up late at night. And I <laughs> if guess you watch you know, the film, you'll understand why he's up late at night. Right, and I guess while he's waiting for the uh, clean urine to come yeah. to swap, he's like emailing me. Yeah, but um, you're like, God, this dude stays up late. I mean, <laughs> this is really strange. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I'm at it's the Sochi Olympics, and and uh, and coming out of those Olympics, I think he felt a huge just burden and. And what Gregory said to me is that at, at the end of those Olympics and then in those couple months after, it, there was nowhere further for him to go. And I think he felt like this had essentially reached, as he said, its, its, you know, its, its proper course, that there was nowhere more that, that, that he could do as far as um, the scam, the scandal that he had pulled off. And so he invites me to come meet him. He's lecturing at a symposium in Oregon for the IAAF, um, part of the Junior World Championships that were in Oregon um, in July of 2014. So I go up there and I make a decision that I'm not going to bring a film crew. I'm just going to go meet him and, you know, talk to him. And we start hanging out. He's a big drinker. We drink, we bond, we become buddies. And I sit him down and... Um, I've got my little Vixia camera, uh, this little handheld thing, and he agrees to let me interview him. And I said, hey, um, do you believe an Olympic medal can be won without performance-enhancing drugs? And he looks at me and he goes, I should believe, I try to believe, I want to believe, but I do not believe an Olympic medal can be won without performance-enhancing drugs. Mm. And then he takes this long pause and he goes, I don't know. Maybe I'm a bad man. Oh, there's your green light. And that was, <laughs> that was a green light. And that was a moment. And 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 I then By the way, I disagree him. with him. I mean you we Yeah, have I to, disagree we have to with disagree. him. Too. I mean, I believe that Michael Phelps Yeah. I don't think Michael Phelps takes PEDs. Yeah. yeah, but I disagree with him too, and I believe that also. But in Gregory's mind, right? I mean, here's this guy who his entire life had been in this system. I mean, right. starting as a kid. He was taught the way onto the national team is to take steroids. And if you don't take steroids, you're not going to be on the national team. And if you get on the national team and you don't want to take steroids, you're not going to be on the national yeah, team. I mean, it was, it was so, that, in the movie, that was one of the times where he, you were totally stumped because he's talking about he was a young, aspiring runner and he was good. He, he's getting to the next level, to the national level. He's given some steroid and he says, and my mother in, would inject me. Yeah. And you were like, wait, 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 time out. Your mother, his mother was injecting. That, that's a little weird. Well, because it, when you look at, I think it's a difference where, you know, from our Western perspective, our American perspective, mm -hmm. right? We go, wait, no parent would condone their, their child taking steroids. No parent would help their child. Right. And yet the Russian perspective is that's just what you do. And that's how everybody does it. I know, and, but isn't it weird? Like your yeah. mom, like in the butt, like that's, I think that's a little strange. I mean, it's definitely strange. That's a little, but, uh, a little close, I think. But, you know, I guess I, she wanted Gregory to win. But he had a lot of those, you know, at least during the, maybe you selected those or, or you know, that was part of the, the narrative. He had a lot of those moments because you had this, this childlike, old russian guy not old but i don't know how old he is he's 58 but you know ch but he's childish he's boyish yeah. yeah but he would say these things that were dark you know you talk about 
you know, pornography and prostitution. And I'm like, wait, that eight-year-old just started talking about prostitution. Oh, wait, no, he's 50-something. <laughs> you, you, you couldn't figure, but he was super, super charming. Like, he was like one of these dudes just like dancing around. We you could not a, love him uh, by watching uh, it. One, one of my editors uh, said he's like, he's like Baby Huey. Yeah, you know, that, that's right. And, and that's the thing about it. you never You never knew what was exactly coming. And yet what ended up being the case is that every single thing he said was true. Yep. And so he'd say these outlandish things, and we're going, wait, is this true? <coughs> Sorry. Is, it, is this true? And, you know, and sometimes you go, wait, this can't be true. And then it was true. Right. And then he proved it to be true. Right. That was like, that's what happened um, with me and you. Yeah. I was like, this guy's. This guy is batshit crazy. And <laughs> on top of it all, he's full of shit. I'm like, I'm out. And it's just, it, it's mind-boggling. I got to tell you, I was, and I told you this on the phone a few weeks ago when I finally got around to watching Icarus. I don't watch, like I watch, when I travel, I watch stuff right here on this laptop. And I can't download Netflix, at least I can't, maybe you can. I can't download movies on a laptop off Netflix. You can do it on your phone or your iPad. Right. But I was like, ah, the phone's too small and I don't have an iPad. So I just never did. But man, it was like a cold, dreary day in Austin. And Ann and I sat down and we're like, all right, let's watch it at home on Netflix. And it was, she was like, she was like, okay, I, I can only watch half because I have to go to yoga, et cetera, et cetera. I was like, okay, I'll watch the second half later. She's like, I'm not leaving. Like, I, <laughs> screw the yoga. I can't get up. Like it, it is that good, folks. I'm not. I'm telling you this. You know, already know this, but I'm telling the people listening at home, and now watching at home, 2018. We're all, you can watch us. But um, where was I going with that? So the 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 premise originally started with you training for Haute Route, which is is a you know is a European. They now have it in America, by the way. Yeah, they brought it to the they Rockies. brought it to the to to Colorado last year. Um, so you had done Haute Route in 2014, 14, and you wanted to clean. clean. Yeah, clean. Right, and I met you after I'd done a clean, um, right as I was starting to, to dope. Start. You yeah. were gonna, and then you. Were, the plan was to come back in 2015, charged up. Yeah. Um, with the hope that I'd win it. With the hope that you'd win it, and you and in 2014 and you got be 14th. Clean. You were 14th. Right. Which is pretty dang good. Pretty good. Yeah. I was wrecked, man. Though you like, looked wrecked. At the end of that, that, when you're sitting in, I don't know what you're sitting in. That like was that. up at uh, you know Mont Ventoux at the top of Ventoux. It didn't. In that good. little coffee shop. I've never little... been in it. I don't. You know, I don't yeah, go into yeah, the coffee shop. To... It wasn't even a coffee shop. It was like you could get a. You looked uh, terrible. You could get a coke, and I remember, and I walked in. I came in. I, I basically collapsed off the bike. Like I go in there and I like grab like three sodas out of the machine. He's like, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" The French were freaking out, and I'm just like on the floor. I was, I was. You're so LA. Yeah, I that's know. an LA move right there. Yeah, I know. I know I was I was I was embarrassed, but uh. what are you know? I was curious because I was watching. I mean, I have my own suspicions about amateur cycling. I don't really know that I chime in about it much, but you know, I'm sure these guys are super strong. The guys that are super are, strong and winning. I mean, those guys, and, and it's all guys. You know, the first year, but it's all these guys that are basically thirty-five to forty-five that take cycling way too seriously. Do they have jobs? That's that's the mystery of it because none of these guys are paid and yet they're training like they're professionals. They're racing like they're professionals yeah. and they're like 38 year old men taking risks on descents. Like, you know, 
like they're 18. Yeah, that doesn't surprise you. Yeah. Tell, please tell me. Yeah. Any crit that you've done in, in Balboa Park or Griffith Park, you know yeah. you know what massive cycling is like. They, that's, yeah. this is, they think they're sprinting for the yellow jersey. Yeah, and, and there's a million-dollar contract waiting yeah. for them at the yeah. top of Vaughn 2. And so can they com- – I guess they can compare times. Like if you did the Vaughn 2, you could easily compare – the times from Haute Root and the guys that do it. Well, the tour. guy who who has won Haute Root like six years in a row is this guy, Peter, Peter Pooley. Yeah, yeah. And when you look on Strava at his times, he's literally across the leaderboard, number one on basically every single climb in the Alps, the Pyrenees, and the Dolomites. Faster than Laurent Tandam, faster, swear to God. And he was, he raced in two tours, uh, got nabbed for doping. Oh. And then instead of serving his sentence, he retired, went to Thailand, and got sponsored by Thailand to be the ambassador to cycling for Thailand. And so Thailand brings him out to these hot routes every year, and they film it as like basically a race for like Thailand to promote cycling in Thailand. And he trains in Thailand? Yeah, he trains in Thailand. Like he a, lives the, in Thailand. Well, when they showed him winning, he has his kid there. I mean, it's like the dude is winning the Tour de France. He's oh, yeah, there yeah, with he his was, kid. Oh, yeah, he's yeah. kissing everybody. And, oh, yeah. And this guy, I mean, amazing. when you look at his times, I mean, he was putting up tour times of those climbs. All right, well, that's I, uh, that was my question. I mean, that's because I can visually, I can see, uh, you know, I know those climbs. I can see, I can I can roughly see that, hey, these these boys are not going slow. Yeah. But then the crazy, so the objective was to go back in 2015, charged up, evade the tests, um, and do better, and, and, and it didn't happen. That's right. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of things that didn't happen. I mean, I, I had a little crash that I didn't show that cost me a few minutes. I had right. a flat yeah, on the flat. Fir- I had a flat on the first day, and, and the way the race is set up is, a, is it's all like neutral support. You can't have like your own, mm-hmm. you know, team car because, you know, it's amateur and they don't want other people to have an advantage. So I had to wait three minutes for a wheel. And then by the time I got the wheel, it was the climb had started. I couldn't get back on. Um, and then my DI2, a cable disconnected. It was like 40 degrees that day. And, uh, but either way, I wasn't going to win. But wouldn't you, well, let's, let's back up a little bit. Because the, 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 as you start to watch the doc, and for the listener at home who hasn't seen it, if this is, it's a two-hour documentary. Roughly the first third is this pursuit, right? This yeah. story, which was the original story, the one that I thought was so damn crazy. And then, of course, this story twists. And then the last two thirds is, is now like Donald Trump and, and Vladimir Putin in a boxing ring or something. Um, and That's it, a good it, way to put it. It's so, so interesting. But um, I mean, as you're in L.A. preparing for, or you were in Boulder and both Boulder and yeah. Los Angeles, preparing for Haute Route with the drug and with doping, you know, there was, you were, like, my buddy called me, and he was like, after he watched it, he was like, dude, was that your life? Like, that is crazy. Like, did you have to do all that? And so when I watched it, I was like, I was even like, holy shit. Like, first of all, just from somebody who should, who knows, you didn't need to do 75% of that. I mean, all the, all the anabolics, all the, uh, HCG, all that, all of that's unnecessary. Well, see what I never did, which I, which I was scared to do, um, was to do a blood bag. Yeah, like I never did that. And well, you didn't need to do that either. Really? No, because if you had, and not to get, I guess we are going to get specific, but you, you know, Ferrari would always tell us, all you need 
is the red cells. So the, all the power stuff, you're, you're strong. Those cyclists, you can, you can do certain types of training to, to uh, increase strength. The red cell, once you have the red cells, and if you have the green light to take EPO, which you did, clearly, that would have been enough. But the, but the images are people watching you, like, jabbing yourself in the ass, and it was bleeding everywhere. And the, I don't know what it was that was in those syringes. It's like, uh, most, of, most of that was vitamins at that point. Yeah, it looked like copper. I was, I was taking, like, what is that? Yeah, because I was taking, I was oh. taking testosterone. Yep. I was taking EPO. Uh, I was taking HCG, yep. I was taking thyroid, I was taking <laughs> DHEA, uh, and then I was taking like a whole slew of these vitamin injections. And most of those, and those syringes were most of the vitamins. Yeah. And that folic acid, that one hurts. Yeah. There's a couple of them really hurt. But, um, but that yeah. you have to have for the EPO. Yeah, for, yeah the folic for yeah. the EPO to get the EPO to absorb. Yeah, I, I, was, I, was, I was shocked. Like, I thought I'd seen some stuff in my day, and I was like, damn. I was committed. Yeah, no, you were committed. Yeah. And you got lean. Like, you could see it as the process went through. I was like, man, I mean, you must have been down to 3 or 4% body fat. Yeah, I was, uh, like, I weigh 140 pounds. Yep. I was down to uh, about 129. Wow. Yeah. And so, and, 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 and during the, the, the first third, they're doing all this testing um you're in the lab being tested what, what, what i have, have written down here your watts your watts go from 250 is this this is probably a threshold yeah so 250 watts to 349 watts yeah that is an insane jump yeah i was able to i was able to average basically like 349 watts up latigo like wow. i could i could sustain 349 for like a climb that felt pretty good didn't it yeah i mean you yeah. must have felt that in whole route like you must when you're there you must have been like I was, you know, it, unless it was, everybody else in the field did the same well, thing. What's interesting is, you know, you have like in that second year, 650 guys, right? But of those 650, 400 of them are really just there just to finish, just mm -hmm. to be like, I finish this thing. Yep. And then you got about 250 that are there to race it. And of those 250, you've got 50 that are good. And of those 50, you've got 10 that are basically pro level you know they're they're putting up right. times that are you know it was like serious and i was kind of like right under those those 10 guys yeah um but yeah i mean it, it, the biggest thing for me was the recovery that was really what it sure. was yeah. it was just the recovery but it just goes to show you and and uh you know cycling and i've talked about this a lot last summer during stages but cycling is so much more i mean cycling you have to worry about mechanicals. You have to worry about crashes. You have to worry about tactics. You have to worry about politics within the group. You have to worry about getting sick. I mean, these are all things that that you just, you, to me, that's, what, you know, when people talk to me about Icarus, they're like, oh my God, this guy did all this stuff. And guess what? He did worse. Yeah. And I'm like, well, it's not because he did that stuff that he did, he, he did worse. It's because he had mechanicals and he had a crash. And he, you know, once you have those two things, then your morale dips. So it's, it's, you know, day in, day out on the road, like you, everything has to be perfect. And that's why when I look back on my run, I was like, how did, how did nothing ever not happen? Like, I, I, nothing. yeah, the thing that I, you know, and look, I, I, I was never in your shoes, but the thing that for me was the most extraordinary about your victories was knowing the variables in cycling. And so to 
doping, not doping, mm-hmm. to be able to get through seven tours without basically a catastrophe yeah. and knowing that 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 what is going on along the way that a flat can take you out a crash can take you out missing a break uh, getting in a getting yeah. in a crosswind i mean there are so many variables and yeah. to be able to do that for 7 years uh-huh. i look three even weeks I look at, at a time I, I mean it's 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 unreal it's you know i will i will say to you and to the listener that it got it's hard to do the first one's hard because you really don't have any respect and you know what this is like even racing locally or haute route like if people don't know you they're like who are you get out of the way you know so we had to fight for every position in year one and really into year two once you get past that then they're like okay we just took over the front and it's just a lot easier when you just you basically occupy or just plant yourself at the front of the group nobody you know nobody tries to take that place away from you it, it, it makes life a lot easier so that's the only thing i can i mean that's really the only thing i can point to that um that made it possible if you, if we had to fight like we had to fight in year one for all seven years it, it probably wouldn't i mean there would have been a crash there would have been a mechanical there was something yeah yeah I mean, it's uh it's it's amazing because every every second you're in a race like that i mean all that's going through my mind is we're going down you know a, a descent at 100 kilometers an hour is just one thing yeah and you're over yeah no, and I everybody know. <laughs> is taking extraordinary risks it's yep. the thing it's like nobody is 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 within their right frame of mind and they're all taking extraordinary risks yeah and so they're like and they're all scared yeah and to navigate that yep. and uh and, and and in the hot route they weren't closing the oncoming lane of traffic on these descents oh that's good Guys and, crossing the yellow line, I bet. And there were a couple guys in there that are like 19, 20-year-old, like French national team, and these guys were taking these risks, and all of a sudden you come around the corner, and there's a car, and, it was, and I'm like, this is crazy. What am I doing? <laughs> oh, Let's talk about Gregory. So this, this for the listener who hasn't seen this, this guy, you know, he's he got, you know, the part that surprised me about Gregory, and, and I, I never knew any of this happened, when he started talking about uh, the steroid market, right? Worldwide. Most of these steroids were produced in China at the time were produced in China. China gets the games. Jack Rogue, who was the head of the IOC at the time told them, okay, you're going to get the games, but you have to stop manufacturing all steroids. These, these steroids. And so I got a little lost when I guess another coach or trainer in Russia was manufacturing or sourcing steroids that weren't as pure I mean, what, walk well, so here's the, here's the uh, uh, as abbreviated story behind that. So China gets the games, right? And they're making and had been selling for years and years pure steroids to Russia and to other countries as well. So if it was oxandrolone, it was oxandrolone. It was pure oxandrolone, like basically the difference between cocaine and meth, right? <laughs> and, and pure coke, right? So they're getting pure drugs sent to them. So, okay. so if the Russians are on oxandrolone, they know that there's nothing else in that oxandrolone. And so when you go to test it, right, they're not, as long as they know that it's just oxandrolone, you aren't going to test positive for other things. And they you're going to test positive for oxandrolone. Right, but they can basically not test for oxandrolone. They can conceal the oxandrolone, but it's just one substance. So what happened with but China? What if they're in Switzerland? Well, this was all coming through the Russian lab in preparation for, you know, in preparation for so the games. So they didn't, they, they just stayed. Right, because they weren't going to be tested 
internationally unless unless they they left the country. That makes it a lot clearer. I, so, I just assumed they were traveling and racing. Right. And so what China did is so they start selling, essentially to get Russia nabbed, they start sending Russia dirty steroids on purpose. So the Chinese are sending dirty steroids to Russia, and they're coming through this coach, Sergei Portugalov, who's basically the coach of the national team, who would mm -hmm. run the whole program, was doping the athletes, was overseeing their protocols. So Portugalov is giving these athletes the steroids that are coming from China, thinking that he's giving them oxandrolone, but it's oxandrolone, and there's a bunch of other stuff in it. So then it's coming to Gregory's lab, and the athletes are testing positive. And once it's in He's the... He's seen this. Right. And once you're in, it's in the atom system, once you've registered it and everything, there's no way for him to conceal what the test is. Mm -hmm. So Gregory goes to Portugal and goes, you're messing us up. You're selling the athletes dirty steroids. Well, Portugal was like, well, what do you want me to do? Gregory's like, you have to throw these drugs away. You can't do it. So he didn't... Portugal didn't want to do it because he was going to put him out of business. So Gregory starts manufacturing steroids on his own. And he literally goes to like a lab in Kazakhstan, somebody that he knows, and he starts basically having the pure steroids manufactured so that the Russian team would not test positive. Because if they test positive, the lab was going to shut down, he was right. going to lose his job, and he was protecting the national team. But then Portugalov... In, ex in turn, gets upset. Gets upset. He loses his business. Right? Loses his business. Turns on Gregory right. and basically reports Gregory to a higher up at the FSB. Now, of course, they're all in on it, but it's like it's like being pulled over for a speeding ticket. And if you pay the cop a hundred bucks in Russia, right, you walk free. So he involves higher ups at the FSB than than Gregory knows. Right? Mm -hmm. They start and they come and arrest Gregory to basically put Portugalov back into business. So Gregory thinks that he's going to go to jail for the rest of his life. He's charged with drug trafficking, with drug trafficking yeah. all this kind of stuff, but he hadn't really done anything wrong. He was protecting the national team. And on the eve of the London Olympics, Putin gets wind that his mastermind, his scientist, is basically sitting uh, in, in, a, in a hospital, a psychiatric hospital, ready to go to jail for the next 20 years of his life. The case drops, oh. he's set free, and he goes to London and onwards to Sochi. And the FSB is a new way to say... KGB. The KGB. So, I mean, most people, like I know, if you said to me FSB, I'd be like, is that like a football thing? Or Yeah, KGB and FSB are the same thing. It's the same thing. Same nothing's thing. nothing's Identical. changed. But then, they, but changed. then, then, they, being, then they become a central part to this story. I mean, this, the way they, you know, I shouldn't say it's that crazy, actually. If you think about it, I mean, the way, and you guys did a great job uh, animating the way, and I'm assuming that's pretty accurate, the way the lab was, was built, you know, the floor plan of the lab. Oh, yeah, that was down. What we had is we had, Gregory had the blueprints, the actual okay. blueprints of a lab because he oversaw the lab construction. So this plan was in place for years and years and years. So as they were designing the lab, they were designing how they were going to basically have this secret room where the cameras were going to be placed, where they could swap the urine. I mean, this was all thought out way in advance. So Gregory had the blueprints. Yep. And part of what he provided to our team was the blueprints. Right. 
And so, so it's that, yeah, then it's so exact. when we went to this, this company to do the CGI, you know, they designed it off the of blueprints and we kept going back to Gregory and Gregory would be like, no, 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 no. It was like this. It would go like this. And so that, that whole sequence in the film is incredibly accurate. That's so fascinating. The, when that it, is the actual blueprint from the lab. And when you guys gave it to the New York Times and then they came with the story with the blueprint and yeah. the hole in the wall. I mean, I was like, no way. There's no way, no way, no how. This is bullshit. It's just crazy that 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 uh, that maybe it's not crazy. I mean, if you if you get to go build the lab and you want to, you can you can do that. I mean, I, I guess you had like we said, you had to wait until because it's not just Gregory and all of his coworkers in there. You have. Right. Wada in there. You probably have some uh, IOC in some there. IOC, some people to oversee, yeah. make sure that checks and balances, everybody's playing fair, so to speak. Um, but they stayed up late. Yeah, and then they had created this back portion of the lab, the maintenance area of the lab, that was outside of the security perimeters, that were outside of the cameras. And so all the regular lab doings were under cameras, and then basically through this security door, there are no cameras and they've set up an, a back entrance and that back door basically is their way over to the KGB building across from the lab where basically the clean urines are, are held and they had figured this whole thing out and what, and what was interesting <laughs> and when you think about Gregory and thinking ahead um, those photos which were kind of the nail in the coffin that there was this mouse hole that there was a hole in the urine aliquoting room going into basically the room where they would swap out the dirty urine for the clean did urine. That, sorry, did that first room have cameras? The first room, the aliquoting room, had cameras in it. Well, how right? can they not see them getting on the ground and handing, sticking the vials through the hole? That's a good. That's a good question. I don't know how they. I don't know yeah. how they had that. I don't know how they had that wired. Maybe well, there wasn't cameras in. in well, when the we get to the part room. of how they opened the bottles, if you can do that, then you can figure out. One camera in one room. Yeah, I mean, they had figured it out somehow. Maybe there weren't cameras in the aliquoting room. There's cameras throughout the corridors. Yeah. There's cameras, but maybe not in the aliquoting Once room. Once they get to that, because that's sort of the yeah. inner sanctum of the of the lab. Yeah. But uh, it's just so much to take in. I'm glad I, I watched it a second time flying up here today, because the first time I literally got to the end, I was like, okay, I don't think I, I don't think I understood all that. Like it is. And then between the first McLaren report around Rio and then the second McLaren report, it is just so much to take in. I was I was completely overwhelmed and in, in the most impressed way. But the thing that, you know, I've, and I'd love to get into just, you know, because, you know, my shtick all the time was I passed 500 tests. And, you know, now people look at that and say, oh, ha, ha, you know, that was a bunch of BS. Well, the reality is I did pass 500 tests and so later i want to get into just how that's possible but in the process of doing 500 tests i know the process you walk in you give your you you pee in the cup uh, somebody watches you pee you know you can't just go in there alone so they're watching physically watching you staring at you uh they then take that cup and split it up into an a and a b sample which you guys do a great job of of showing how that's done um and then, then these bottles are sealed with this, the, the bottles are glass, at least I think they're glass, 
but it has this metal ratchet system. And when you, yeah. and you just, as you're doing it, you're, you're, you're thinking to yourself, this is never coming off. But of course the labs have a machine that can take it off. The fact that they could get the tops off, there's something wrong here. I mean, there's something, I don't care if it's the KGB, something else was at play. Well, the, the company designed the bottles, uh, the this, this Swiss company, Berlinger. That would be my first and, uh, question. Yeah, and, and the great thing is, as you see in the film, we have that that commercial that WADA puts right. out, basically just like about a, a year ago, yeah. showing that these bottles are Fort Knox, that yeah. nobody can get into the high, these bottles. You know, the toughest financial institutions in the world right. use this. And, and this is the, the, the protocol that yeah. you know to everybody's subscribed to. And... According to Gregory, they spent, they had decided that they were going to swap the urine uh, right after the Vancouver Games, which were in 2010, because Russia wins 10 medals. So now the next- 10 goals or 10, 10 total? 10 total medals. Oh, wow. Right? So this is a disaster for Russia. And they're going, wait, we're hosting the next Olympic Games. There is no way in hell we are going to go in there and win 10 medals. This right. is an embarrassment for the country. So they decide that they're going to swap the urine. And the FSB starts working on how they're going to do this. And they went through, according to Gregory, all sorts of different things. First, they were trying to get the caps manufactured for them. So, like, basically, they just bust open the tops, and they'd have a, a matching fraudulent right. cap. Because all the caps, right. so the bottle and the cap has right. the code on it. Exactly. They have to obviously be the and same. The so, A&B. they were trying to redesign the caps. Yep. Then they were trying to, which isn't that crazy to right. like. Why, why couldn't you? Right. I mean, but basically a fraudulent yeah. cap, and and they somehow basically figured out through like a a, a micro tool kit um, how to essentially put these tools into the bottle and press up, and there was just I guess enough clearance that they could open up this bottle <laughs> undetected. And but in so doing, and this is how it was proven that they had opened these bottles and swapped it. When they went back and looked at these bottles under a microscope, yeah, they could see the scratches oh, right. yeah, from you, you these tools. The, yeah, yeah. Did, did the athletes know? Did, were the were the athletes? I mean, the athletes knew that they were they were doping, or did they not know? Most, well, of, I mean, but by and large, the Russian athletes. According according to Gregory. Um, it was one of these systems that where, kind of changes the story for me. Where, where, where everybody, it was kind of like the idea of, okay, everybody kind of knew, but nobody knew exactly what was going on. Because think so, about it, if you're the athlete and you know you're doping, yeah, you have to be thinking, well, I'm going to be tested. So it, they, they either know they're doping, know they're going to get tested, and, so, and the FSP says, don't worry about it, we got it covered. Or they don't know they're doping. They're being given, however they're being administered, vitamins, et cetera, how, whatever they would call it. Right. So they think they're clean. And, and the FSB says, we're going to make sure they're clean. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's, well, I would, or is there I a would, hybrid? I would, I would say it's a hybrid. But in my personal opinion, and I think Gregory would back me on this, is that the athletes knew they were doping because a year before Sochi, all of them had to go off of taking anything. And for six weeks, they were collecting their clean urine samples. So every one of those athletes at Sochi, they had six or seven clean urine samples of each one of those athletes to swap. Oh. And what they would do is in those clean urine samples, 
Gregory had already analyzed the specific gravity, basically the weight of the urine, the salt contact, the steroid profile of those urines. So when they peed that day, he could best match their clean urine yeah. with the dirty urine, yeah. right? And then and then and then and swap the DNA, it and, and adjust DNA. right, and then adjust the salt content in the urine, uh, which was the specific gravity. So when they went back and tested these samples, they found uh, exorbitant levels of salt, table salt, in the urine because he is using salt to adjust the specific gravity uh, on the, uh, which was noted on the doping control forms. So I would say that that the majority of the athletes did know because uh, yeah, they like were it. collecting their clean urine. <laughs> yeah. What the athletes didn't know was how it was being done. Okay. They didn't know it was being swapped. They didn't know they just knew that they were asked to clean to to pee cleanly, that they were off all of their vitamins or medications and you know, and they were collecting their urine in like things like plastic water bottles and soda cans and and so even when they brought these things to Sochi according to Gregory, the freezer um, in the FSB of all the clean urines was literally like a bunch of plastic water bottles oh and God. Perrier bottles and Pellegrino. It was whatever the athletes could pee into and they were all labeled. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, something that sophisticated boils down to something that not sophisticated. Yeah. That just doesn't Amazing. surprise me. Yeah. So we know that they swapped dirty urine for, for clean urine or vice versa which got them off the hook. But let's just say, for example, and as I watched the, the, the documentary, I thought, you know, you can reverse this too. If you had a country, you, we, we, you, you say or you show very clearly what happens at the end of Sochi, Putin's popularity before Sochi is... I mean, they, you guys start winning gold medals and it just, it's like a rocket ship took off. He has the highest popularity in forever. Bam, attacks Ukraine. His popularity is decreasing, and then all of a sudden it, it shoots up, and then he attacks Ukraine. So obviously he's got a beef with Ukraine. I mean, would they go so far as to say this Ukrainian or whoever it is, this Ukrainian's uh, urine is clean, but we're going to make it dirty? Yes, they did that. So what happened? That that that's so what happened? And Gregory, according to Gregory, he said no. Uh, he was approached. Uh, on multiple occasions to basically do exactly that. They asked him to essentially take a Ukrainian athlete's clean sample and make it dirty. And he said no. So it didn't happen? According to Gregory, the answer is no. I don't have a, you know, uh, and everything that he has said is certainly proven to be true. But apparently when he was asked to do that, which he was asked to do, uh, he said, "No, I'm not going to do that." Because when you he when you show when he, you he drew a line, it's the first thing that came to my mind when when you showed most immediately. He goes into Ukraine, starts a war. I'm like, he uh, immediately. I was like, surely they they did a reversal here. And so, I'm glad that. Well, didn't. it's interesting that you came up with that because to me, um, the question that that it left me, which is always, I think, the the, the thing in anti doping is what we've learned is that. Just because somebody says they're clean doesn't mean they're clean. Mm -hmm. And then oftentimes if somebody okay. tests, tests dirty, yep. there is this notion of, you know, you know, if you believe Alberto Contador that he ate tainted meat. Or there's this notion of there's always a defense. So when somebody tests dirty. You're telling me? Yeah. 
<laughs> There's Thank always you. a defense. I know. I know. And and then of course, and then of course what 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 we've come to learn is that, you know, clean doesn't mean you're clean. And, and what and what stuck out to me about the whole urine swapping thing aside from the Russian athletes is it called into question, well, has this been done before? Who else might have done this? How do we how do we know that 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 even if anybody's sample is dirty, that now we have the potential that it could have been swapped, right. or that somebody's clean sample could have been swapped for a dirty one. It's it's it, you know that's sophisticated. It, it it can be even easier, right? If where does the Ukrainian team stay for the Sochi games? They stay in a hotel in Sochi. That's the employees are Russian, and the FSB is standing outside. They're eating the restaurant's food. They don't. They they can't control everything they drink, everything they eat. It is. It would be so easy to contaminate just their food, and yeah. then you don't have to worry about swapping it. I mean, it, it is that. You don't even need to contaminate it so that they test positive. You could contaminate it so that they get sick. You could guarantee that they either have a poor performance or they lose their result. I mean, that's that's much easier. Yeah, I mean, be, be, the possibilities are, are, are limitless. That We were always worried limitless. about That's why we eventually started cooking our, you know, trying to con control as much as we could, control, buy all of our own food, cook all of our own food, water, drinks, etc., just to prevent, you know, outside contamination. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That's part one with Brian Fogel, the director of Icarus, and actually one of the stars of Icarus, because obviously you now figured it out. He was the athlete involved in all of this. Um, if that got your attention, go watch the film on Netflix. It's, 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 you know, I can't even put it into words. And I, you know, this all came to be um, when I first watched it and, and put out that tweet. And the tweet said something to the effect of, I thought I knew everything when it comes to this stuff. It turns out I didn't know anything. So thanks for tuning in to part one. Come back tomorrow for my second conversation part two with Icarus director Brian Fogel. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Forward Podcast. Like I said at the top of the show, any suggestions or questions, send me an email. The new one, the forward at we do.team and we do is spelled W-E-D-U. The forward at we do.team. Thanks for tuning in each and every week. Look forward to talking to you next week.